Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of RSO Podcast. We have a special guest today. His name is Adam Weiss. Now, if you don't recognize that name, you might know him better as hundreds of thousands of his fans do, as Hootie Who. <laughs> Hello, Hootie Who, Adam. Welcome to the show. It is really a treat to have you. You have quite a following on YouTube, and I, what I'd like to do today, if you don't mind, is plumb the depths of how you got here and what some of your passions are. Obviously, they lean heavily towards guns and shooting oh, because yeah. you've got quite the YouTube channel on that topic. Oh yeah, it's it so, is an honor to be in the presence of Mr. Ron Spomer. All jokes aside, I tell people I try to be the the hillbilly or the younger version or the redneck version of Ron Spomer. That's really <laughs> the redneck Spomer. <laughs> but no, awesome to be here. I've, I've been looking forward to this and and hanging out for a little while. But yeah, yeah, I I have too. So how did you get going in the well? Let's start with the YouTube thing because that's quite the craze these days. Sure. How did you get into YouTube? So I get asked that question from time to time. The answer really is simple. Had a, a, a normal corporate nine to five job, whatever you want to call it. And my wife came home one day and said, all these people are being successful just recording their everyday lives. I said, Sure, research a camera and I'll figure out how to edit it and uh we'll just go from there. So we started doing like family vlog type stuff. She would do cooking shows mm-hmm. and then I started recording my interests, one of which firearms and hunting. Uh then it just kind of went from there, recording what we were doing, recording what I was doing, uh, doing what I normally did anyways and just bringing the cameras with me. Well. What when did that start? Oh, probably about almost 6 years ago. 6 years, yeah. yeah. And now I've noticed your YouTube channel. My gosh, you've got hun- literally hundreds of thousands of followers. How many are you? Uh, looking at 300,000? I think 000, it's on, about to hit 400,000, I think. 
400,000. Man, that's a lot of folks who are prying into your private affairs. <laughs> hey, hey, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. And how often do you post? At least once a day. I, I try to do two a day a lot of times, but that takes a whole lot of work. And sometimes I only get one YouTube video. Wow, I can't imagine doing that many. I mean, I'm happy to get one or two a week done. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I try to cover a whole lot of stuff and get out as much as I can, learn as much as I can. What What do your fans seem to like the most? What topics? So uh, a lot of the stuff that I try to focus on is bolt-action rifles. So I, I dabble in some pistols and some semi-autos, but... My passion really is the bolt action stuff. So a lot of my videos tend to be in the bolt actions. Um, so really it's just buying a bunch of bolt actions uh, and me personally learning through experience uh, and stuff like that and putting it all on camera. And a lot of that translating into as much hunting as I can. I love hunting. I'd, I'd love for every video to be a hunting video, but obviously we have to go hunt when the season not enough time for that yeah. huh <laughs> yeah and some of that costs well, that's too, great. but yeah well that that just takes us into your hunting career when did you get started were you a, a country boy who was uh, learning at your daddy's knee or did you come to it later in life like so many of us these days how did that happen? yeah so my dad never hunted i think i think i squirrel hunted like once growing up maybe um, but my first, um, hunt really, I think I was 21, a guy at work, I was a forklift driver at a warehouse, overheard some guys at lunch talking about deer hunting. And mm -hmm. I call him an old timer. I don't, he was probably maybe 65 and nah, that's old. And he said he was excited about me asking him, of course, me now being a big time deer hunter, I love talking about deer hunting. So he was the same way. Like, you want a deer hunt? I will show you a spot on some public land. He sold me a muzzleloader for a hundred bucks and told me how to use it and that sort of thing. And for five, six, seven years, I still hunted that public spot and took a whole lot of whitetails. So that that was my introduction to hunting was whitetails in Tennessee from a coworker who showed me a public land spot that I could deer hunt on. Uh, then I was hooked. You know that is that you know that's a great story in so many ways. One is that that deer hunter was willing to show you the ropes Absolutely. and bring you into the fold. Which, and I think that is critically important for all of us hunters to do with new hunters, oh, yeah. whether they're young or old, doesn't matter. Bring them in. Absolutely. And since then, that's that's really a controversial topic. So a lot of people, it's just like fishing. I'm not going to show you my my favorite spots, you know, or I'm not going to show you where the deer are. Uh, but right. that very spot that he showed me, I got the biggest whitetail I have ever taken. It was my, I think it was in 2008. Actually, I know it was a 13 pointer on public land from that very spot. So he, he wasn't even showing me his, you know, there might be a his best spot. He showed me an <laughs> awesome spot. And I, I had seen since then, I've seen monster whitetail there. I hadn't shot them, but I've seen them there. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's the other thing is that a lot of folks think, you know, it's just so hard to find private land to hunt on, and it's so expensive to go on guided hunts, so I'm not really going to bother. And here you are on public land in a fairly heavily hunted state, I would imagine. Yep. Tennessee's not like no one ever hunts there, yep. right? 
yep. got plenty of pressure, and yet you're finding success. So that I think gives gives us hope. Whether you are getting started in in a empty western state, empty, <laughs> there's really no such thing anymore, yep. but uh, or a crowded eastern state, there are still opportunities out there. If you either get invited by someone else to show you the ropes or just discovered on your own. And to take that even a little bit further, these days it's even easier. So people ask me all the time, like, can you take me hunting or can you show me spots? With the technology mm-hmm. now, I can show you on your phone, oh, tell yeah. you pull up the public land areas and I can literally drop you a pin on spots to hunt. And you could be on the other side of the world and I can show you yeah. on the phone or on the computer. Here's a public land spot. Here's a public land spot. It's it's really easy these days. Um, yeah. You know, and that's kind of a relief too, because throughout my hunting career, I'm always conscious of and nervous about stepping on the wrong side of a line. Yeah. Yeah. You get onto some private property and you get into trouble and that just ruins the whole program yeah, for you. Absolutely. You know, and to the, the worrying about that while you hunt is just not the idea of a pleasant hunt. So yeah, having a phone app like that, I use hunt stand just to be able to look at it quickly and say, Oh, I'm safe. This is public land, but I better not cross that line. Yeah. Um, that really makes a difference. Yeah. I use hunt stand that is and great. my wife loves that. I use hunt stand because it keeps me from getting lost. Before the and my wife just says, "Go get lost." No, I get lost. She needs somebody to come home and and tag team with all the kids we got at the house. So, yeah, yeah. Well, see, our kids are gone, so my wife just as soon stay home and not have me interrupting her day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're mostly a deer hunter. You don't do uh, upland birds or waterfowl. Any small? Game? I just got into. I did my first duck hunt this year. About month Uh-oh. and a half ago, I got to go to Arkansas, had a blast, oh my goodness. took a bunch, of <laughs> but, um, now your wife's not going to see you around so much anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. But now I've got all the duck hunting gear. So, and I've talked to a few people here locally that duck hunt here in Tennessee too. So hopefully going to get into it again next, uh, duck season. And I've seen, pheasant. I've seen pheasant with my own eyes, but I've never hunted them. So, my my family on both sides, my mom and my dad and all my family still all live in Nebraska. So when I was a kid, we'd be walking, you know, exploring grandpa's farm and whatnot, and there'd be pheasants popping up. You know, what what kind of bird is that, my dad? Oh, that's a pheasant, you know. Well, we don't have pheasant in Tennessee. Um, no. I also saw pheasant in Montana when I hunted out there, but of course it wasn't pheasant season, so but they're pretty well, I think what I can do, I might just invite you with me uh, up in South Dakota. I grew up in Southeast South Dakota and still have contacts there, and I hunt pheasants every year. Yeah. And I think it'd be great to pull you in up there sometime if you want to go. But you you have to be ready to be involved as a pheasant hunter. That's going to take up more of your time. That That would be a blast. And I think I told you last time we talked, my goal is to have one of everything mounted on my wall, and I, I need uh. a pheasant. <laughs> need a pheasant for my wall. Now I've got I've got some ducks at the taxidermist. I need a pheasant at the taxidermist. Yeah, you're gonna need some more walls too if you go that route. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wife already told me a couple weeks ago that I need to build a shop and get all the deer out of the house. But oh sure, yeah, I got that song and dance a long time ago. <laughs> the interesting thing though is that you know this space that I see on the wall that would just be beautiful spot for a head. 
never really is. My wife tells me that's not that's not a good look. Yeah. We don't want that until she shoots a forty-one inch Gemsbuck bull Ooh. in uh, Namibia, and then all of a sudden it gets to go on that spot on the wall. I don't know how that happens. Maybe I need to try that. My, my wife, you should try. My that. wife has been on hunts with me, but she's never taken an animal herself. Yeah. Well, my wife was not a hunter, but she was an outdoors woman. She loved to backpacking camp, and she was a kayaker, and she just loved the outdoors and any kind of adventure. So I invited her along on my hunts. Boy, once she got started on it, I didn't push her. I just let her watch, and then she suggested it. She said, you know, I'd like to try this. And boy, once she tried it, she just loved it. And, of course, the meat, she's always been all over that. Once I introduced her to elk and, oh. say, and prong one, we absolutely love. So, you know, it's worked out well. Of course, now it's a lot more expensive to go hunting because <laughs> I've got to buy two tags. Yeah. And pronghorn, that's another one I need for my wall. And it looks <laughs> like in October this year, I'm going to get the chance to do that. So I'm looking. For- oh, you're going, huh? Where, where are you headed? New Mexico. Oh, yeah. They've got some nice heads down there. they got some beautiful antelope. Yep, I've hunted it several times. You'll like that. never been to New Mexico, so that would be cool. I've When I hunted in Montana, I've only hunted there one time, but I drove from my house in Tennessee all the way to Montana. It's like a 27-hour drive. When I went through yep. Wyoming, I kept seeing what I thought were sheep, like just along the interstate. And finally, I pulled my van over and just pulled up the binoculars, and I was like, Whoa! Just driving through Wyoming, you you can see two hundred antelope or pronghorn, whichever you call. Oh yeah, just along the interstate, and I'm I have never seen yeah. one in my life, and I was just like, this is insane. Because in Tennessee, yeah. you drive along the interstate, you might see one whitetail every, you know, hundred miles or so, just standing there. But two hundred antelope, just like yeah, everywhere you go, I, I couldn't believe it. And when I was ah, Montana, you're not the first guy in Montana, I saw a bunch while we were hunting, but I didn't have a tag for one. So I it was, bummer. yeah, but yeah, you know, Lewis and Clark found the same thing when they hit South Dakota and saw their first pronghorn, they were seeing big herds of them and they were marveling at how sharp eyed they were and how fast they could run and all the rest of it. And we have been uh, loving pronghorn ever since. Yeah, you're going to have a great hunt. Hey, don't let anybody tell you you have to shoot them from a mile away and they're just too spooky. You can stalk those guys remarkably closely. I will keep that in mind. Yeah, it's fun. What's going to be interesting is which caliber to pick or which. No, you get a lot of good. I might need to watch, (laughs) go back and watch a bunch more Ron Spomer videos and figure that out. (laughs) Are you leaning toward anything right now? So another one of my goals is to take an animal with every cartridge, starting with the most common ones. So you set yourself some pretty high goals. I know, know, but I love it. That's my passion. So it might take me 50 years, you know, or whatever, but by then we'll probably have 50 new cartridges. So yeah. um, (laughs) Off the cuff, I might tell you 25 out of six. So I have not well, taken a, a big game with 25-06 yet, and I think yeah. that'd probably be a good pick for antelope. Well, the, if you want to do one with every cartridge, uh, pronghorn would be the one to do with the 25-06. That, to me, is the quintessential pronghorn cartridge. I think that's absolutely optimum. I, I love the 25-06. Mine's a, a 
a Ruger. Man, my memory's terrible. I start talking about things, I forget what they're called. Ruger, <laughs> is it Mark, Number Mark something? Is it? I can't remember. A Mark II? That might be a Hawkeye is what it is. Is that is a Mark? Oh, you got the Hawkeye. Yeah, that's a Mark II Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. And I love that's that That's right. a good bold action rifle. I've, I've um, shot that at 1,000 yards consistently, and I absolutely love that one. So, But I that'd be the we one. can get close to them. Yeah, you can. You can get close. I was hunting once in New Mexico with a guide who told me I had to shoot from the truck, which a lot of them like to do, and I hate to do that. It's like I'm out here hunting. I'm not having a motor race or anything yeah. silly. Now, I want to get down on the ground and hunt. He said, you'll never get within a mile of them. So I said, I know. Just humor me and let me try it. You know, Then you can bug me later and razz me. Okay. So I get out of the truck and I start stalking. I got within 150 yards of that buck. Ooh, man. <laughs> I don't think they'd ever seen a human walking before everybody was driving trucks. I, I would probably answer but, the same way. Like trucks are fine for scouting and stuff, but yeah, that's just unnatural. Jeez. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> well, gosh, you got a quite an adventure in front of you, Adam. If you're going to try to take all the game, mount them all on your wall, try one with every cartridge out there. Gee whiz, you've got a busy, busy life in front of you, partner. Well, uh, You're going to keep doing the videos? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, ooh, that, that brings up another topic in my mind. So filming is a whole nother aspect. So the biggest whitetail I've ever seen on a hunt, I watched him for 10 minutes waiting for enough camera light. I could have got him in the scope. but. Right as we got enough camera light, my wife was my camera girl, and she dropped her phone, and the deer was at 100 yards, and he heard it and took off. I was, uh, I was like, I could have taken him, but since we were waiting for enough camera light, and then the same oh, thing yeah. happened to me this past year. We were um, going after red stags. Monster. Red stag? In Texas. Where was it that? It was in Texas. Oh, we weren't oh. over in New Zealand or anything. It was in Texas. Oh, shoot. But, a monster came out with the big crowns. You know how they get those on the top? Oh, and yeah. my sons were with me. I took them with me, helping me film and everything. They both got animals, too, while we were there. And they're like, get him, shoot him. And I'm like, they didn't understand. We, You can't see him on the camera. We have to wait for the cameras. <laughs> and, of course, by the time that there was enough light, that red stag took off. We ended up taking a really nice <laughs> one. But there's two examples of the biggest animals I've ever seen with my eyeballs. Just yeah. for filming it. So sometimes it's a pain to film it, but I love filming everything. I just love it. Yeah, I, I do too, but it does interrupt the hunt it, anymore. I've done it so much that these days what I really like to do is to go hunting with no cameras, no assignments from any magazine. So it's really getting back to why I started hunting in the first place yeah. with my personal connection with nature and really getting down to the nitty gritty and just I always say it's like sucking it all in. You just want to suck the marrow out of that whole experience. Yeah. It's a lot different when you do it that way, rather than having to worry about whether the camera's on and there's enough light and yep. all that stuff. So yeah, more power to you. Well, we are going to look forward to watching more of your videos. Uh, you're going to continue reviewing firearms, I imagine. Oh yeah. Until you can go hunting. Oh yeah. And then we're going to see some good hunts from you, right? Absolutely. That's my plan is I'm trying to get ahead before deer season gets here and have a bunch of stuff stored away. It probably, it oh, probably yeah. won't end up happening, but that's my goal. So when September hits, hey, we're just hunting through January. Yeah. Kind of like a vacation, huh? <laughs> I call it work. My wife calls it vacation. 
My wife says I don't you know that. I'm just always on vacation, but it's, yeah. that's uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Your wife always thinks you're out playing all the time, and it's hard to get them to believe that that's actually hard work. Yeah, yeah, lots of work. We suffer. We suffer for our art. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yep. Well, listen. Why don't you and I make some plans for uh, South Dakota pheasant hunt this fall? Yeah. Would you like to try that? I would love it. That would be awesome. Um, November is probably the month I would pick. We could tra- take the October opener, but then the big crowds are there and everything. And I've always found it a, a little more productive in mid to late November because there's more cover that's down and the birds are more concentrated. So you hit the right cover and you've got a lot of birds piled in there. And generally, there's not a lot of folks harassing them at that time. So you've got it all to yourself. That will be awesome. So keep those dates in mind. You're going to have to tear yourself away from the Tennessee deer hunt for a while. Maybe I could turn it into a family vacation and we can stop. That would see work. grandma along the way. And like <laughs> well, you still have family up there in what, Nebraska? Yep. So my mom and my dad were both born in Nebraska. A majority of the family still lives there. Lincoln and mm-hmm. uh, Laurel's a small town where there's family. Um, Omaha. Uh, and then I was born in South Dakota. I can't remember where my dad worked somewhere in, in, uh, near South Dakota. Uh, I still have family in Sioux Falls. I'm sure you know where that is. Yeah. I grew about, I grew up about 80 miles from Sioux Falls. Yeah, and, We're both South Dakotans. How do you like that? Yeah. That's wild. Uh, that when I drove crazy? to Mon, I was born in Yankton. Um, so that's pretty wild. Oh, I was born in New York, yeah. and this is crazy. Dude. I can I can remember the name of the hospital because for the longest time I had the, uh, what do you call those nurse gowns or the, uh, anyways the clothes the they're like green or blue that nurses wear. I can't scrubs. So we had the scrubs that my dad wore when I was born in the Sacred Heart Hospital. If you know the hospital. yep, that was the one. So we. Sacred Heart Hospital. That's where I was born. Oh my Same gosh! Hospital. I wonder if we're not brothers from a different mother. That, that's that's. I don't know how many people live there because I haven't lived there in forever. But that's a small town. Like I've been back. Yeah, yeah. I think there are about ten thousand or so in Yankton. Which one? When, when I was a kid out in the farm, that was the big city. Okay, so something else just popped up in my head. If you know Yankton, have you ever done any spoonbill or paddlefish snagging? Yeah. Oh yeah. So you know oh, yeah. that's something to this day, most people when I bring that up, they're like, What are you talking about? I've never heard of that fish. Yeah. That spoonbill is yep. a lot of fun. My grandpa for the he passed away a few years ago, but every April he would take me for a week and we'd go snagging for spoonbill. And that was like Right below the dam? Well, we didn't go in Yankton. My dad and a bunch of my family tell me stories of snagging and yanking below the dam. He actually right. went snagging. My grandpa had a fishing cabin on Lake Ozark in Missouri. Okay. We did that uh, down river of the dam on Lake Ozark. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite the uh, remarkable freshwater fish. You know, it's related to sharks. It doesn't have a vertebrae, yeah. just a cord. And uh, it's a plankton feeder. So you have to snag them. They don't bite on anything unless you can figure out a plankton fly. Yep. yep. 
and they get huge. I don't know what the, the record is, like 130 pounds, 150 pounds. It, uh, for the longest time, it was 129 pounds. I think somebody recently broke it in South Hey, I think I remember something about 130-something pounds. Or, yeah. That's crazy. Well, the, you know, the neat thing about them, the, the bad thing about it at first when they started putting in those main dams on the Missouri River, that's when they first started being able to catch them and anybody really knew what they were because you yeah. rarely saw yeah, them. They Suddenly, yeah. they're all piling up at the base of the dam. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then they can't go upstream to spawn. So it turns out that they need to go upstream to certain spawning gravel bar things that are no longer there because they're all under those reservoirs. Yep. And they finally figured out how to spawn them in captivity and then introduce fry to the system so the population is back. Yeah, there's a, there's actually a fishery in Warsaw, Missouri that raises Spoonbill. I've been there, and it's pretty cool to see. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fun fish if anybody wants to get into something different. Spoonbill, it's a lot of folks that call them spoonbill cats because they have smooth skin, not scales. So they're sort of like a catfish, but they've got that big duck-like beak sticking out in yeah. front of them. That's where the spoonbill comes in. And they're, they're pretty good yeah. eating. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, there's a trick. You have to take out the dark meat and, and just get the white meat kind of a thing and pull the cord out. And, yeah, pull the cord out. I think, we, we, we cut yeah. around the head, cut around the tail. And then pull the cord out. Yep, pull that cord if, out. If you yep. if you cut that cord, it it taints the meat. But yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's that's the paddlefish, and it's all over the Missouri and Mississippi watersheds. So all the rivers that feed into those will have them. Yep, or most of them. And then they're the only other place in the world is the Yangtze River, I think, in China. Really, has a closely related spoonbill cat. Obviously, it's an ancient ancient fish just like sharks going way back when. So, yeah, that's a different one, all right. Yeah. Well, listen, you probably have to get back to making some more videos if you have to do one a day. So we're probably going to ring off. Where will people be able to find you? Um, you've got a YouTube channel that's called? Yeah, it's just called Hootie Who, W-H-O-T-E-E-W-H-O, Hootie Who. Great. Do you have anything else? You like Facebook, Instagram, yeah, we or do. website? we do. Uh... Facebook, Instagram, we're posting there every day, a couple times a day, and then a new long format video on YouTube every day. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Hey, everybody. I just uh, highly recommend this guy. He is, he's unpretentious. He's honest and straight up, I think, from what I've seen Adam do. Um, and, and he's not trying to blow any smoke. You know, he just tells it as he sees it and as he discovers it. It's fun to ride along with him and learn as we go. And I don't think we do much better than that. So it's kind of like having a good buddy in front of you on the screen. And uh, he can probably afford to buy more guns than we can. So we get to learn through him without having to spend all that money. <laughs> but, hey, we need to help the poor guy out because he's got to take one of every species with every cartridge in the world. This guy needs a lot of support. <laughs> hey, it's great having you, Adam. And uh, we'll look forward to putting the uh, pheasant hunt together with you. Does that sound good? Yeah, absolutely. I get into trouble with my uh, wife when we talk about hunting. I could talk about hunting and, and firearms all day. So I can tell. Yeah, we could probably do this every day and have a new topic for a whole year. <laughs> like, I love to talk about this yeah. stuff. So, yeah. And we haven't even mentioned turkeys or elk no. yet. No, we haven't. So, uh, I appreciate you having me on. I've enjoyed it. Uh, we'll have to it was our pleasure, Adam. We'll, uh, we'll keep watching your channel and we'll make some plans for next fall and who knows where this will go. Yeah. that. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Hey, everybody, that's our episode. I hope you enjoyed meeting Adam. Hootie Who, look him up on YouTube. I think you'll enjoy what you see. This guy's the real deal.
Until the next time, this is Ron Spomer signing off on Honest and Shoot Straight. where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.